out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the details of that galaxy far, far away. My name's Mac, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow Fuel Depot rep, Ross. Mac, great to be here today. Loving some Star Wars. Loving uh, talking to you and seeing you in person. It's great to be back. It's nice to remember what it's like to see people face to face. It is. We are six feet apart. Which means we can do this without face masks. Though, if you will, when we're done, Lysol that mic for me. (laughs) I will. I will. Okay. I will. uh, Yeah, we'll put it in the decontamination chamber for a bit. Oh, you know what? We should do that. What is Star Wars cleaning materials? You just like dangle it out an airlock and that would kill anything on it? That would do a lot. But that's not what we're talking about today. That's not, no, today we are talking about a classic Jedi power, the Jedi mind trick. Yeah, we continue our series of investigating the Force powers, and we're going to focus on the movies mm-hmm. and where we've seen mm-hmm. the Jedi mind trick mm-hmm. and, and what what is a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit, too. I think it's going to be fun. We'll probably spend about a half hour on that. Then we're going to talk about a new planet in Star Wars from the Rise of Skywalker, Pasana. The... Uh, the additional another desert planet it's another desert planet but it's a little different so we'll spend maybe 10 15 minutes talking about that we will and then we're going to wrap up by looking at one of the most important commodities in the entire galaxy which is <laughs> hyperfuel. Mm-hmm. you would think it would be banthifer but it's not it's not it's coaxium that makes this little world go round <laughs> it does and we're going to learn all about it and that's going to start right after this We are continuing our series of exploring force powers. Move along. Oh, and uh, we have come to the latest item. Oh, move along. And that's all we really have to talk about. So it's been great talking to you. I hope you enjoyed this, and we'll move on to the next segment. Perfect. It works. Yeah. (laughs) I have a headache. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So today we are talking about the Jedi mind trick, one of the... No, the very first Jedi power we see yeah. in all of Star Wars. Unless you count screaming like a giant crate dragon. Uh, Is that a power. mind trick, though? I guess that's what we're going to explore. Oh, it could, it could be. Well, let's talk about it. So, uh, I mean, this doesn't require a lot of explanation, right? Everybody knows the Jedi mind trick because it's the classic. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing about the Jedi mind trick is it's, it like you said, it's this idea that we can see um, into the minds of people. We, we know Jedi's powers are not just physical. We know that they have control, if you will, over yeah. lesser beings. And lesser beings, in this case, does not mean biologically. We mean idiots. They can control idiots. 
people who are susceptible to suggestion. That's kind of how right, I always right, look right. at it, right? People who aren't confident in what they're saying. The or weak-minded. Yeah, I mean, that's what they, I mean, that's how they well, describe and, and the way it, you, right? And the way you write that is people who are literally just foolish people that are mm-hmm. easy to mm-hmm. trick. Or like the stormtroopers, which you might have the smartest stormtrooper in the world, but the problem is they leave so much of their individual thinking to the machine. Yeah. The policies, the procedures that... Well, it looks like it follows the policy. I won't think about it anymore. Yeah, we made it through the flow chart. I don't need to arrest them or beat them. Move <laughs> along. Like, I mean, that's that's what it looks like to me, right? Because like so, you mentioned, that's the first one we saw. So we'll use that as the, the quintessential example, Let's start at the beginning. Right? The classic way to tell a story at so, the beginning. So we drive past Toronto and we bring our land speeder into Moss Eisley as appropriately. And there's a whole bunch of stormtroopers who walk up to the car and they're basically the just like... <laughs> Hey, well, I mean, they're all, I, no, hey, I know, they're I know, just so. one. They're basically a drunk stop. They're, yeah, there's like exactly you've been drinking tonight, is. kids. You you okay in there? Yeah, gonna you flash, been to Tashi Station? I'm gonna flash the uh, light light into your eye. Just make sure they're not dilating. Yeah, no. Is there's that you got something in the back you want to talk about? What are these? What are these droids? How long you had them? How long you had? Them? Only about three or four seasons. They're for sale if you want them. <laughs> you got permits? You got? Let me uh, let me let me see your drivers and registration. Um. <laughs> So anyway, we have a patrol of stormtroopers that have obviously been following Vader's orders to seek out droids that match this description. Now, droids are like toasters in the Star Wars universe. There's a zillion of them. So they're just kind of checking everybody. Yeah. Um, You may think, hey, they know they're looking for a gold droid and a little white and blue one. But actually, they haven't seen them. How would they know, right? They haven't found any information other than that gold piece of C-3PO they find at the crash site. Right. And so until they find like a washer out in the desert next to the escape pod, they don't even know that it's droids. Right. Exactly. And then later you could say, well, maybe they interrogated the Jawas, but how much are the Jawas going to really be able to tell them? It, and also knowing how that scene seems to play out is to be like, Utini. It's like, Utini, is that speak American? <laughs> Shoot him. God. Find me another one. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, I, no, I know. I they're know, awful. I know, I this know. is literally the the worst of humanity is what runs the Empire. He's a freaking dark lord of the Sith. No, you're right. I just told oh, yeah, those Jawas, they did not stand a chance. Yeah, no. And so no matter what they did. <laughs> and so you just think the Jawas, like as they're being systematically murdered for this little pageantry that it's sand people, you just got to imagine they're thinking like, if we just want to solve that protocol droid, we could explain ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Because Gonk's not doing it. No, he's not. So, all right. So now we're in ta- we're on Tatooine. We're with Ben and we're with Luke and we're with the droids. And essentially we see Obi-Wan here use the mind trick four times or at least make four kind of separate suggestions here to these stormtroopers. Yeah. He's like, he's reinforcing it. Right. You don't need to see his identification. That's uh, the first one. I don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. The, these aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. Yeah, he can go about his business. Move along. Yeah, move along. Move along. Move along. Yeah. Oh, I took care of that one real well, didn't I, Bob? <laughs> I think my favorite joke of this scene is is either the guy at his kitchen table just going, wait a minute. Oh, those were the droids I was looking for. <laughs> He's eating his frosted flakes at night and just like hits them. It's just, oh, or the alternative I, I like of like, why did, why'd you let them go? Man, I can't hear anything in this helmet. I just repeated what I thought the guy was saying. 
Isn't that one of the robot chicken sketches? I think think it is. That's a good one. Oh, man. And isn't it in From a Certain Point of View where Mm -hmm. they talk about that a little bit, where you see those stormtroopers a little later? Oh, yes. Our absolute favorite piece of Star Wars canon literature, which is From a Certain Point of View, expands the scene and gives you context and has a little bit more of their perspective Mm -hmm. of what's been going on. Because basically the whole town's on lockdown. It's like bosses are breathing down their neck of like, fix it. Find these droids. Find this kid. Get these Death Star plans out of our jurisdiction so we can get back to like being kind of in the back end of the universe and not having much scrutiny. (laughs) Um, So we see that happen. And and when um, Luke's like, like... Wow, I'm surprised we got past those troops. Obi-Wan's like, well, yeah, because I did that. Um, the, the Force has a powerful effect on the weak-minded. And we set the tone there that the idea that Jedi have, within reason, they're not like telepaths. They're not controlling someone. They're not necessarily reading their thoughts completely. But it's the idea that they're sort of like psychically aware. Like they yeah. can, like you said, it's a suggestion. It's got to be sold a little bit with the situation working. Like he mm-hmm. couldn't... Obi-Wan could have said, like, why don't you pull down your pants and moon your friends? Like, that wouldn't have worked, right? He can't just say just anything to anyone. It, it has to make sense. Yeah. And, I, I mean, I don't know about you, Mac, but as of, oh, I don't know, maybe six-year-old seeing that for the first time when the special editions came out in the theater, uh, it just blew my mind. Because yeah. at that point, I had only seen Empire going in, and mm-hmm. the mind trick doesn't exist in that film. Oh, yeah, yeah. So to then see this guy doing this, and at this point, I've only seen him as this blue spirit. Like, this is rad. I, I see. To I'm me, it. it's almost a reverse thing. Because, like, there's certain amounts of Star Wars I knew by osmosis. But to me, I was very familiar with the Jedi mind trick because it shows up a lot in Return. Because in yes. Return of the Jedi, we get the, ah, Jedi mind tricks don't work on me. I'm like, oh, oh, he's immune to that. Which is weird because I haven't seen it successfully used on someone really yet. Except... Uh, well, do we want to go chronologically exploring some of the examples? Or do you just want to dive into, like, wherever we are? Well, let's see. So, I mean, there's no more in A New Hope, right? No, there is. Where, where's the next one in A New Hope? Hey, did you hear something down that hallway? Nah, it's not, nothing. Do you see these new T-16 teens? I hear they're really good. You're calling... So that's a mind trick, huh, in your book? He So in my case, okay. how I define the mind trick is, did the Jedi look at someone wave their hand and that person thought saw or did something that is out of the ordinary (laughs) that's okay that's an interesting take because i think of the mind trick as a direct manipulation of their thoughts or sorry a direct pressure on their thoughts whereas on the death star when he's when and what we're talking about if you haven't picked up on this by now because sometimes we tangent is uh (laughs) obi-wan goes to shut down the tractor beam Yes. And while he's there, there are two stormtroopers having a conversation. And the way I interpret it is he uses the force to essentially pull something or create a sound, knock something. So, so he, you're saying he reaches out to create something, not that that happened in the mind of the person. Right. Because we, as the audience member, hear it. We hear the sound that distracts the stormtroopers. Well, the yeah, no, no, no. Wait. I always assumed he was like toppling a gonk droid or something. The reason I call that as mind trick is because the one stormtrooper says, ah, it's nothing. Like, and that autonomic response tells me that that's to me what I hear is the Jedi mind trick is the fa- fact of like, oh, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Let's keep talking about cars. So then for a Jedi. So I always thought then for a Jedi mind trick, you have to talk to the person. That's what makes it a mind oh. trick. 
And then since he's not talking to them, I don't think that's unreasonable. But again, you get to the you get to let's go. Let's call these as questionable line tricks. Sure, because sure. I kind of feel they are, but I can understand you're not. It's well, like I think the crate dragon about, roar, right? right? Yeah. We hear a sound as the audience, but my question is like, did Obi Wan create that sound and? If I had a microphone there, would I have heard it? Or is that something that's just, mm-hmm. he's projecting fear out? Yeah. And if Obi-Wan that's how... screams in a canyon, are well, the same people around to hear it? Well, I'm saying, if I tell you to fear something, did you actually hear the thing you fear? Or did you make up in your mind For what sure. you were scared of For that sure. be? For sure. Um, all right. So let's go to the more concrete example. Yes. Well, we don't have any in Empire, right? right. We, can, we can nail that one down. Easy. Empire, done. Return of the Jedi. Here we have, after you know a long hiatus of a few years and one missing hand, Luke <laughs> coming in all in shadows. He's choking out Camorian guards, Which and is... then he's using the mind trick. You know, I never noticed Luke was using the Force to choke those Camorians until I was no, like, an adult. No, not until I was an adult. Someone said I... that, and then I'm like, oh, they totally grabbed for their neck. Yeah. They totally, at least sleeper choked... Four sleeper holds them. Yeah, I, think I don't. I don't think he lethally kills them, but I definitely think he's like, like, I don't have time for this, and you're too stupid for me to talk to. Just go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. So this is, of course, we're talking about Luke Skywalker walking into Jabba's palace, and he mind tricks Bib Fortuna. Yeah, the major domo. You know, the yes. Twilic is just kind of like, um, sir, you basically you can't come in, and then looks like, you sure? I mean, you could come in. <laughs> you will take me to Jabba now. Well, I have Java in my notes, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> you will take me to Java now. You serve your master well. Yeah. And you will be rewarded. Huh. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Big Fortuna totally like is like kind of walking up like that. No, 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 you can't come come take me to your master now. Well, I mean, I, I guess I, 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 I could could I mean you know what he probably would want to talk to you I, okay come this way you serve your master well well thanks oh, like that's... he's gonna reward me yeah I feel good about this you know I just wish a little more positive reinforcement in my day to day and then <laughs> Jabba just calls him an idiot wait, wait, then, <laughs> then he's he's like hey Master Jabba I know you're asleep and I know it's like at least two hours before I'm supposed to wake you up but Jedi Master Luke Skywalker is here to talk to you and I thought you'd want to do that I know you said yesterday you didn't want to see him but. I... But that will. was when his droids were here. He's here in person. Yeah. You idiot. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> uh, and then Luke, I love Luke here going, because uh, while this is happening, Luke is still maintaining control. He goes, I must be allowed to speak. And Bib repeats that. Yeah, yeah I boss. I mean, he's that. here. You gotta. Yeah. And, and to me, the whole point of this entrance for Luke, like we're supposed to assume that he's grown more powerful. That's what they're trying to show us. But we're also meant to think that, you know, he might be a little eviler with the force choke and, you know, using this mind trick to be manipulative. And at minimum, he's coming in with a swagger and confidence of he did not have that in the last movie. For sure. He's a Jedi Knight. He, he's yes. calling himself a Jedi Knight. Yeah, people get taken out of the game for a little bit and never gets delusions <laughs> of grandeur. Uh, one of the best. I mean, it's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he tries, uh, he's like, oh, well, okay, Fortuna's not working. Uh, Master Jabba, uh, I think it's time that you let me take Chewbacca and Captain Sol- Solo. Ho, ho, ho. Ha, ha, ha. What the hell do you think? Boy, child. I'm the greatest hut you will ever meet. That crap doesn't work on us. I got 13 hearts. You're not going to affect me at all. 
<laughs> let me just eat a frog from my bowl over here and laugh at you. <laughs> In fact, you know what? Boop. Go to the rancor pit. <laughs> you know, it's funny because the next time we see a Jedi try and use a mind trick, it's on another giant slug-like boss man. <laughs> Odd, huh? Because there's no more in Jedi, right? There's no more in Return of the Jedi. No, no. As far I mean, even under my rules, I don't think you really... Nothing that I can think, think of. The only thing I can think of... Okay, we're going to leave this in the questionable. Okay, questionable. I think I might know where you're going. Yeah, go for uh, it. Maybe. The one that I always assumed a Jedi mind trick had to be involved is how Luke ends up safe and sound with only a simple pair of binders on on that ATAT platform. I'm assuming he's massaging the story because he needs to get to see his dad. And he's like, he says he's alone. And I'm like, and Vader's like, and you believed him. Go hunt through the forest. <laughs> but, sir, the Ewoks are out there. You know, that, yeah. you know what I mean? No, I like, know what you're it's, saying. it's know off you're screen. Saying. We never see it. But yeah. there's a certain level of like, this is happening way too well in Luke's favor for him to just yeah. come in. And you could You could absolutely assume that because the other side of it is like, Vader sent out an APB like, hey, stormtroopers, if someone shows up with a lightsaber, don't shoot them. Bring them to me. Stop all operations. Give me a call on my personal cell phone number and I will be right down. I feel like he has a beeper. I feel like he wouldn't want to answer a call. But... I got a pager somewhere yeah. on as he looks yeah. at his entire armor. <laughs> it just pops out of his rebreather. Okay. So our next Jedi mind trick. Yeah. Our just Yes. Our, our next real Jedi mind trick comes from Gwygon Jin. Yes. In episode one, right? And another great use of the mind trick because he's just so dominating. We're gonna have to get into alternatives as well. But we have Yeah. So um it's two boss Nass in the Gungan city, right? That's yep. what we're thinking of. And uh basically Gwygon goes and then you're gonna speed us on our way. Right? We could use a transport. Mm, we's are gonna get you the F out of here. <laughs> <laughs> And then he comes back with Gwai, with um with Jar Jar and says, you know, you're you know, he talks about the life debt and your gods demand that his life belongs to me. And each time he's doing this, he's doing the, the hand finger, motion. Cause the finger because yep. the finger the the it's almost ever like a whole hand. They're never like, oh, I'm gonna really like it's just a few fingers. Yeah. Which tells me it's part of the trick. <laughs> it is. It's it's necessary, I you think. You gotta do the little finger. You got it just a little. Just a little. Um, and it's fun because, you know, we see uh, a Jedi from the past. This is the first time we're seeing yeah. it. Sort of a proper Jedi Knight kind yeah, of in these our Jedi eyes, in their right? prime. Yeah. And so we see him using, hey, we know that one. We know that one. The kid right next to him, he'll use it later. And, I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's you know, it's it's a fun moment for sure. I mean, Boss Nass is great. The underwater city is great. You know, Unagunga is great. Um, love everything about it. So, I mean, this is another fun one. I love seeing it. And what I love seeing even more later from the same Jedi is that that same Jedi who we know can be successful, we know can do the mind trick. Yes. Fails at doing the mind trick later. Yeah. With another amazing character, Watto. Watto. Everybody knows how much I love Uh, Watto. Republic Datteries will be fine. (laughs) No, No, they won't. Wave my fingers. Yes, they will. No. They won't. What do you think you are? Some kind of Jedi? Waving your hand around like that? <laughs> I love it. Oh, Watto, you're a gem. You're a gem, Watto. And, and it's we great because because I like the Quigon Jids. Like, nope, got to try it three times before I'm sure this isn't working. It's like, <laughs> it I'm a Tondari and they don't work on me. It's like, only money. <laughs> it's like, 
And you're saying that Republic Datteries aren't money. Yeah. Does anyone do currency exchange around here? <laughs> do you? Yeah. <laughs> I have these traveler's checks. Is there an American <laughs> Express somewhere around here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, I love it's it. great because, you know, Republic Datteries are, are in in canon, they're, they're a grouping of credits. Yeah. You know, the money's credit, Datteries is basically, I, can, I think it's a container of so many. Like, you know, how you have, like, a $20 bill versus a single credit kind of yeah. thing. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll do currency at some point. Yeah, we I've will. I, that's not something I've learned about. But, re- yeah, Republic Datteries are, are basically the the a bulk of the currency, some sure. number of it. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, the, Wado's like, no. Nah. And so that sends the entire second act of that movie in motion because Qui-Gon Jinn has to figure out some way to pay for this. Literally, stupid... there's an entire part of this movie that only happens because the mind trick doesn't work. Imagine if it did. Imagine if it was just like, or, or just, he's like, no, I know a guy who can exchange batteries. I'll take those. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and then, they're like, all right, little slave boy, nice to meet you. Farewell. <laughs> and then the galaxy never splits in yeah. half and the Clone Wars don't happen. And maybe they should have. Oh, my God. Just... If Wada wasn't so cheap on not wanting to walk mm-hmm. down to the mm-hmm. money lender to get the money exchanged, the Clone Wars could have been avoided. So if Anakin wouldn't have been Palpatine's next apprentice, who would it have been? Well, just Darth Tyrannus would eventually wise up and kill kill Palpatine. And Palpatine wouldn't have a strong we new... We all wo- know that's not going to happen. I don't... I don't know. Dooku's pretty crafty. And I again, mean, without pretty, but... without someone dogging <laughs> his, his steps, some numb... <laughs> You know, new, young, attractive apprentice, you know. Yeah, yeah. Dooku has no scars. Anakin has one. Dooku needed some scars. Well, also in canon, that was the issue. it would also would have probably worked out that way because Dooku would have a, a non-failed apprentice because there wouldn't be anyone to stop Asajj Ventress from being good at her job. That's true. That's true. Obi-Wan can't do it all on his own. No, he... he, he yeah, no. <laughs> all right. So after episode one, there, there's no more mind tricks in episode one. Obi-Wan's not going around. Yoda's not going around tricking anybody, right? We don't right. see any uh, wool getting pulled over Rick Lay's eyes or anything. No. No. <laughs> Never. Not weak-minded he at all. He always sees through that. He's yeah. obvious that way. You know it would be a fun game to just have, like, flashcards? And you have to say, like, I hold it up, and in one second, would they be fooled by the mind trick or would they not? And you have to decide. Oh, okay. And then we have to debate it. Who has a weak mind is what you're basically yeah. asking. Well, Rick yeah. Lay doesn't, like... It's clones. Do you think a Captain Rex would get tripped up by no. a mind trick? Well, not a Rex, maybe, but I think that's due to his proximity of Jedi and understanding his ability to kind of grow as Jedi. a person. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of clones would. Yeah, I think that would make sense, especially when we see Order 60s. I think it's probably, you know what? It's probably right along those lines. Like, did you fall for Order 66 or not? Because if <laughs> you're if you're one of the people that didn't fight Order 66, you're probably definitely the kind of person that mind trick was going to work on right. real well. That's right. Just like those death stick addicts because that's where we lead next is perhaps the most amusing version of this is so we're in the outlander cafe on coruscant after being chasing zam wessel through the city and anakin and obi-wan go into this bar and anakin's like okay we're gonna find this is that what we're doing master's like i'm going for a drink (laughs) (laughs) i don't care what you do and he goes right for the bar (laughs) he does and there he meets a classic classic character now depending on where you're looking two slightly different names but i'm just gonna go by the classic elon sleazebago or sel sabongano sel sel sabongo 
Look, depending it's a on where beautiful, you look. beautiful pun. Just let it happen. <laughs> Just let his name be Slumbag. <laughs> yeah. Well, basically, uh, this uh, this death sticks dealer, um, this young entrepreneur. In Legends, he was a like a former medical student. I don't know if that. I don't think that's carried over to canon. I didn't look. I don't. So I just rewatched not, the movies. As we've talked many times, there's not enough prequel content in canon to that really is get changing. too much. In. That it's, is changing. We're switching it. Thank but, God. Uh, when we get to, what did you say, 2049, and we get a certain point of view, episode two. <laughs> 39, I think. I think I did the math wrong. 2039. 2039. Yeah, okay, so that would be, be 2042 would yeah. be when we get to episode two, certain point of view. Yeah. And we hear more about it. halfway. <laughs> okay, that's depressing. We're over halfway. So he's a desktop salesman, and he just pulls out his wares, right? Flies out of his hand because he's obviously been doing this for a while. He's like, "Hey, you want to buy some desk sticks? You don't want to sell me desk sticks. I don't want to sell you desk sticks. You want to go home and rethink your life. I want to go home and rethink my life. And just like that, Obi Wan changing lives day in day out. It kind of makes you think of like, if it's that easy, really, are, do the Jedi have like a rehab clinic where they're just doing this for people? <laughs> uh, I want to do desk sticks. No, you don't. I don't. It's like it's like those hypnotism like ads yeah. you hear, but yeah. it works. <gasps> Maybe like Jedi three hundred years before this, but these mm-hmm. Jedi, nah, they're you know too in the High Republic, we'll see what a Jedi we'll free see. clinic looks like. We'll Maybe. see. I mean, we're getting a lot of we got a we got a therapist droid in the Alphabet Squadron books, so Ooh. anything is possible these days <laughs> in Star Wars. That's how I'm glad look we're at it. I, I'm glad that the jobs that are the least automatable in the Star Wars universe. Yes, we've we've pushed people out and automated those. It's also a former Imperial torture droid. I don't know if you know that. That seems like an ironic combo. It does, doesn't it? You should really read those. I will. Um, okay, so uh, is that it? Nothing else in Episode Two, I don't believe. Anakin doesn't mind trick anybody. Uh. Do any of the Geonosians get mind tricked by anybody? I don't think so. Nothing I can't there. remember. Because I don't think... Dooku just dismisses the guards that are watching Obi-Wan. I don't think he has to do anything to dismiss no, them. No, because they're in his control, essentially. Yeah. <sighs> nothing on Kamino. Nothing with Boba no. or Jango. No. Yeah, no no more Jedi mind tricks. Nothing with Anakin. Yeah, He's not, like, not doing anything creepy with Padme in the mind trick. Uh-huh. Uh. Um... D- well, I'm assuming also Padme's not, not a weak mind. mind. <laughs> we got a weak. I don't know. We'll we'll talk about it sometime. Uh, sh- All right. What about Revenge of the Sith? I don't think there's any mind tricking in there either. I mean, there's a lot of mind tricking, but not the mind tricking we're <laughs> the, talking the about. The traditional kind. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I think right? you're right. I think you're right. It's odd because we get some in every movie of the sequel trilogy, which we can go to next. Let's do it. I skipped Solo, but yeah, there's nothing in Solo. There's no Force users in Solo. And there's no, yeah, that's not true. Okay, there's not really any Force users in Solo. <laughs> there's a cameo by a Force yeah, user. Yeah, Therm Scissor Punch might be Force-sensitive. I'm just saying, we don't know. Again, lots of mind tricks in that movie, but the traditional kind. <laughs> so, in the sequel trilogy, we get some in each movie. Our first um, you know, experience with it is with Rey when she's in her interrogation chair. Yeah. Kylo has left her momentarily after revealing his beautiful face. And she <laughs> goes to the Stormtroopers and says... You will remove these restraints and leave the cell with the door open. Now, it takes a few attempts. No, because he's just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tighten the cells, rebel, or the, the straps, rebel scum, something like that. And, yeah, something and she's like just that. like, no, but please do that for me. It'd be really great. And I love the way they play with the sound effects in this moment. When it actually works, they cut out all the other background noise and they focus in on her voice and she gets a little bit more serious. And so it works. And, you know, leave the cell with the door open. And you'll drop your weapon. 
and no, I'll drop my weapon. weapon. Yeah. And, and James Bond one. follows those instructions. That's right. If you don't know, that is Daniel Craig there in mm-hmm. that uh, armor having a little bit of a cameo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's great. I mean, it, it's great. I mean, a lot of people talk about, like, how does Ray know how to do this? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, listen, <laughs> if I'm going to pick something in Star Wars, the next pick, this might be one of the more near the top of the list ones. But, like, whatever. Here's my like, thing with this is, like, A, she's powerful. It happens. She's, she tries it and fails. And she yeah. refines that attempt until it works. Yeah. And she's obviously heard about this. Otherwise, she wouldn't try something that bold-faced, right? Yeah. And then on top of it, I'm like, guys... Luke's on Dagobah for anywhere from two hours to five months. We have no idea. (laughs) But I know that that kid didn't start coming over there just doing in-the-air somersault flip double jumps. So, like, I think some of this stuff is by feel. I don't think you have to... I don't think you have to read the instruction manual to use your Force powers all the way. Right. I mean, that is literally what the Force Awakening is, isn't it? Like, that's what we're meant to interpret. So, like... That's not one of my... Like, I understand that maybe in the movie directly, there's really no good way to see how this person who didn't know the Jedi were real an hour ago being able to do this. But what we've learned is essentially through repressed memories and through natural ability, she's able to do the mind trick. Whatever. She did, and it's fine. It's not not that big. Who cares, Um, right? I am not going to be the one to complain about it. It's It's a fun moment. Whatever. Right? Right. We still see that Ray has plenty to learn. You can be extremely powerful in the Force and still not be ready to use it. Right. They're not one and the same thing. I well, know like, we like to think that they are. And in all these kinds of stories, the intuitive, in a moment of triumph, they're able to do an effect that they don't know they have that power. I mean, Harry Potter starts with him hearing from a snake. He didn't plan or train on that. Yes. He just happens. And then he can't do it at will till later in his life anyway. Yes, 100%. 100% agree. It's Thank part you, part of Mac. storytelling. All right. So, yes. So, the next one is in The Last Jedi. We have another example of a failed mind trick. Mm-hmm. You will bring Luke Skywalker to me. And then Kylo kind of stares at the hand like, why didn't that work? That's worked like every other time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I uh, I mean, it's great because I love that, like, right away, Ray is just, like, ready to be all angry at him. He's like, no, I'm still trying to accomplish something. And he tries to make it happen. And I love that. And it doesn't like come anywhere near close to working. <laughs> no, not at any any level. Uh, but I love the fact that we see that he can do it and that he has the capability. And that I love that that's where his mind goes. I, I just think that's great. Control. He's obsessed yeah. with control because he has yeah. zero control in himself. Yeah. Very fitting for the character. You love it. Uh, and it's in that great environment, too, when he's like in that like uh, that first order hallway and like, you know, he's yes. got all like that. There's that like it's. Well, the difference, obviously, between the location he and Rain is very telling and very purposefully done. Uh, right. You know, one's in nature, one's in a man-made environment. But just, like, to see him just kind of, like, run out into that hallway and then just, like, immediately go to, like, trying to use the Force to his advantage is great. I love it. He's a Force wrecking ball. Yeah, because it's the same reaction of, like, Vader lifting up his hand to block Han's blasters. Like, I know there he's successful, but it's like in the moment, it's our character trying to use the force. And I think oh, I'm Just always going to be force a fan of problems. That. Exactly. All right. Well, we have one more. Okay. Well, besides all the examples from cartoons and comic books and novels, yeah, we're just we're looking at live action yeah, right now. Exactly. Um, so, Mac, you know which one I mean, right? The episode nine, 
mind trick with Rey when they are above Kajimi. They have gone on to Kylo's Star Destroyer and they are trying to rescue Chewie. Well, they run into two troopers in the hallway. Yes, they do. And Rey, without a second thought, it's okay that we're here. It's okay that you're here. <laughs> we're relieved. You're relieved that we're here. We're relieved that you're here. Oh, welcome, guys. Welcome, guys. And they definitely use it as that comedy moment. They ham it up a little bit, but I like, again, yeah. it, it it forces the idea the Jedi mind trick is a suggestion. Yeah. You're relieved we're here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Wow. Thank God we don't have to fight with you. Because they take that as the authentic thing because it's the idea of, like, there's something inside them where they're very wanting this to be true. So mm-hmm. pull the right string and they'll <laughs> go with you. Yes, exactly. Uh, and that's it. Except we have one other little moment there where Finn goes to Poe. Does she do that to us? <laughs> uh, which is good. I, I really do Just like that little bit that. a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I think in the novel, I can't remember exactly because I haven't read, I read it months ago now, but they play that moment up a little bit more with Finn and Poe of like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, she, is this a thing? Can she always do that? <laughs> yeah, no. It's great because when you really think about it, it's a, it is a wickedly scary power. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, you could see a Sith Lord and someone's like, I'm really depressed. I'm like, you should kill yourself. And they go, I should kill. Like, that could work. It's terrifying. And I don't think we ever really, even in Clone Wars, I don't really see see the Darksiders using it any more than this kind of thing. Like, bypassing a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you never see anyone like, oh, I don't know, like strapped up to a chain chair and they're just constantly forcing their mind to accept, like, uh, you'll do this stuff for me. Uh, no, I'm not going to, you're going to do this stuff for me. Like, it's not like a, it's not like a brainwash, if you will. No, no. It, uh, it's like pretty much all Jedi powers. It has its limits. And in that way, it's why it works well in the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan. I loved it when I saw the new hope. Love it. Every time I've seen it since mm-hmm. keep it coming. It is great. It is. Anything else? No, nothing else. Uh, the only thing I can think of is, uh, you know, what doesn't happen? Hmm. No mind tricks on Pasana. No, and that's where we're going next. These are the exact coordinates that Master Luke left behind. What is this? The Aki Aki Festival of the Ancestors. This celebration occurs only once every 42 years. Well, that's lucky. Lucky indeed. This festival is known for both its colorful kites and its delectable sweets. Out past the core, in the expansion region, the Amba Khan sector. With one moon and 500,000 Aki locals, Pasana waits for our heroes. Pasana. 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 Is that right? I think you're right. I... Pasana. I think that's it. It's one of the few planets I've seen in Star Wars in a long time. I'm like, I don't have to guess how to pronounce this. That probably is pronounced yeah. exactly how it yeah. looks. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're talking about episode nine's introduced planet of Pasana. Yeah, it's uh, the desert world where there is the uh, Aki Aki celebration of the ancestors. Space Burning Man. (laughs) Only once every 42 years. Very lucky we're here. 
I was going to say, it doesn't happen all that often. So if you're going to get there, get mm-hmm. some paint, get mm-hmm. some, you know, get some dye, talk to the kids, watch a puppet show, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Lots of colorful fight, uh, kites and delectable sweets, I hear. That's, that sounds nice. It does. <gasps> it does. It's very lucky. Yeah, it's it, it's. <laughs> Persona is great. I'm just going to say, like, you know, <laughs> Persona is great because I liked it showed us a piece of Star Wars we haven't seen. It's a straight up celebration. We are yeah. watching people not celebrating after a victory or anything, doing a traditional cultural mm-hmm, celebration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it feels that way. There's just all this view of like, like ritual and all yeah. these special beads and different colors and yeah. vendor stalls mm-hmm. and just all this pageantry all around here. And it's fun because. In some ways, it's like a cantina scene in the sense of you're not meant to understand everything you're seeing. You're meant to just like let your eyes drink up all all the weird that's happening around mm-hmm. you. Except where, as uh, you know, the cantina or in this movie, the the bar on Kojima is supposed to be kind of like a creepy out weird. Look at all these weirdos. This is more of a look at all this wonderful stuff. Even though the galaxy's <laughs> at war, these people are having a great time. Yeah, totally. Uh- in the book, or sorry, in the visual guide for the Rise of Skywalker, uh-huh. they mention that the uh, the locals basically for the other forty one years live very sparsely, and they're basically yeah. constantly trying to collect materials and and um, you know extra water and food and whatnot that they can use for this celebration. Otherwise, they live a very kind of desolate and simple life. Right. But they blow off steam once every forty two years. That's fair. Depending on how long lived you are, that that probably makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a harvest festival in some ways, right? It's kind of like they 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 they're pushing some of their crop and some of their supplies every year, every harvest. Some of it goes to pay for the the celebration. Yeah, absolutely. They're just kind of like a long term savings plan. Yeah, <laughs> they're responsible. Is what I think we're getting at. Yeah, totally. Now, there are a few other uh, creatures that we see that live on this planet besides the Akiaki. Okay. The very first ones we see are the Okie Pokie. <laughs> They're the uh, the little yeah. animals that we see as we uh, you know fly into the planet. They kind of live on the cliff there. Yeah. And uh, they just kind of have those big ears. They have their little like eyes inside their ears. Yeah. Giant. Uh, apparently, probably really good hearing. That's what I would imagine. Incredible hearing is what I wrote in my notes. Uh, all from the Visual Dictionary, if you want to fact check me on their hearing. Incredible. No, I, I, tr- I trust you. Yeah. Um, they're, they're cliff dwellers, and uh, they're called, once again, the Okie Pokey because... Because they turn themselves around. I don't know. We've run out of That's what it's all about. <laughs> um, now, there's another, uh, another predator there, a giant snake, and I think everybody probably remembers this moment right because it's it's a little more part of the plot <laughs> yeah it, it is so that snake is called the vexus kind of such that, a good name it is a good name so that you know that thing they encounter in those uh, underground tunnels and i actually have some information so those cave systems are created both by giant predators like the vexus as well as flowing water so certain explorers on the planet will basically kind of tap an underground well and then okay. that's one of the ways those cave systems are created, and then eventually the well dries up. So it's like underground, like what do they call those aquifers, like like canals yeah. and rivers. And that's how we end up with that sort of quicksand environment. Yeah, because it's above one of those canals. So I'll tell you, this is the best thing about this planet for me. This might <laughs> be my favorite thing in the Rise of Skywalker is the quicksand. 
It's a great scene and it's yeah. played really well because mm-hmm. it's, it's classic Hollywood is the characters fall into yeah. a quicksand pit. It's great. And for a moment, they have plenty of time to shoot down their enemy, but not enough time to get out of the sand. Right. Which I love. Now, we hear in uh, The Force Awakens, you know, Ray says the sinking fields and we see the TIE fighter go down in the sand there. Yes. So I would argue that the first time we see quicksand in Star Wars on film is not in this film. Uh, as Wikipedia says, but uh, it's in The Force Awakens with the sinking TIE fighter. But having said that, this is our first example of like a character being someone sinking into quicksand. And we get to see what happens on the other side. Yes. And what's fun about this is so it's 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 spaced up a little bit, which I like is it's this just pool of black beads. They're almost like coffee beads or something. They use like beans when they filmed it i can't remember oh, I yeah I if they know. talk about it in this in the uh documentary but i can't remember now off the top of my head i was 50 percent between like coffee beans and then the other thing that popped in my head is like boba tea like uh tapioca mm-hmm. um beads mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. i could mm-hmm. kind of see that but what's neat is it they're very very round so it has kind of a different you kind of see the pit coming around them a little more obviously than you would in like one traditionally filmed like quicksand because the particles are less fine. They're bigger and cruder and more obvious. And yeah. so you just start seeing everyone just sinking down pretty quick and then gone. Yeah. Yeah. One at a time. And what's nice is we see that, uh, thankfully, this is not normal quicksand. This is just like, you know, loose material that you'll fall through because normal quicksand usually has you fall into underwater, you know, an underwater pit and not be able to get overcome the sand to get out and you drown. Yeah. Is what happens in real quicksand. So it's nice because they end up in caves. <laughs> a little separated, but they all make it. Yeah, they all make it and just a little sand covered. Yeah. That's all. Just pat fine. it out. Br- pat yeah, it out. Brush it off. Brush it off. Um, and so that's, again, there's just starting to like, huh, we didn't die. That's weird. All right, let's get out of here. Own up. There's a snake. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Pasana is an interesting planet because it kicks off our adventure in this film. Yes. Uh, It will always be notable because it is the first kind of planet in the final film of the Skywalker saga. Right. Uh, It was filmed in the Wadi Rum Desert in Jordan. Which is pretty neat. Uh, All of those uh, dancers doing that Aki Aki dance, uh, a lot of them were hired locally and taught there kind of in the moment, you know, leading up to it, which is really cool. Um, All practical, you know, those are all people in costumes, which is awesome. Uh, it's also notable for being the resting place of Ochi. Oh, sure. So that's where they're, this all ends up them trying to find this ship of this, um, what'd you call him? A Sith assassin? Like what are you? Uh, bounty hunter. I guess bounty hunter. Yeah. 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 Um, and because that's what they call him. Don't they call him a Jedi hunter? Yes. I think that's right. They call him that in the film. Yeah. It's, it it brings up more questions than answers. (laughs) Um, but they basically find a ship, and it's what kind of sets them on the path for the rest of the film of trying to figure out the mystery behind what Palpatine's plan is. Yeah. It's an important planet in the story, but it's a fun, visually engaging planet. The The local culture is a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a giant cow, which is great. Oh, that's pretty great. There's a giant cow alien. Uh, that little uh, that little local gives Ray that necklace, uh, which is some fun. Lando has his Treadwalker on there. He does. Which I like. He does. Yeah. We have a cool race with Tread yeah. Speeders, which are cool. Yeah, I like that Lando's living here because he's kind of like he's given up the complex lifestyle and he's just living simply. 
Well, again, he's one of those kinds of guys that Burning Man, who someone sets his tent up for him. He's gained that much respect. <laughs> um, Pisana is really cool. And I think the other thing I think we, I, I remember mentioning when like Rise came out was I also like Pisana in the sense that it's a desert planet, but we were trying to find different things to do with a desert planet than we've done up to now. Because yeah. as we run out of like obvious terrain types, one thing that Star Wars is kind of being asked to do, and I think it should, is find more interesting ways to make your spaces look different. Yeah. You can't just have a forest planet. We've had a forest planet. Yeah. So do a different type of forest planet or, sure. or do something different. And so Pasana being this big jubilant celebration leads to quicksand leads to these like kind of red rock badlands formations makes it feel a lot different than mm-hmm. like your Tatooine or your Jakku. Mm-hmm. For sure. It's a, it's a great addition to the star Wars galaxy. Absolutely. Happy to have it. And it's not, you know, it's not on the edges of nowhere, which is a nice change for a desert world. That's true, because it's in the expansion reason. Yeah. Which is on the, uh, I believe, on the uh, Hadean Way, which is one of the hyper route sure. routes that goes through, which is important because you know what you need to get up and down those hyper routes? Coaxium. That's right. Let's talk about that. Star Wars is for everyone. Every day, we have the ability and opportunity to create a more accepting world by actively coming together and living inclusively. Whether it's the galaxy far, far away or right here at home, there's always a chance to do even small things to include other people. Let them know that they're loved. There's, regardless of the differences we have between us, what makes us in common is far more important. Yeah, Star Wars loves and accepts all. And it's always been about that. And here we are in 2020, Star Wars more inclusive than ever. I can't tell you how many different people from different walks of life, different ability levels, different races, creeds, genders that were all together at Star Wars Celebration to celebrate the things we love. Sometimes it feels like you're fighting against the Empire when you're trying to champion what's right. But remember, it takes all of us to fight an Empire. So join us and everyone else in the galaxy and learn how you can come together at lovehasnolabels.com Brought to you by the Ad Council. the big things you have to pay for in the modern world i mean as especially here in north america we have to do it you gotta pay for fuel yeah you never know when you're gonna run out right right and you know fuel is expensive but you just kind of get used to it you accept that like well i go to work and all that kind of stuff i guess it's just one of the costs of living right yeah yeah right i mean it's a it's a reality of the galaxy for everybody and we didn't really know that till solo came out and we found out exactly what fuel is in the Star Wars universe, because that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about hyperfuel, also known as coaxium. It's an interesting thing, because fuel is not something that has come up outside of, like, Star Wars novels before. 
in the film world. Right. And then The Last Jedi sort of introduced us to the concept of like having limited fuel in Star Wars films, which is something that makes sense, right? I mean, we, we all knew that had to be a thing. And then here we have in Solo kind of more details about how it actually works. We see um, refining processes and we see where fuel comes from and we see fuel get injected into a ship directly and all kinds of weird, janky things that our characters are doing. And all this is doing, to me anyway, is establishing more of this galaxy that we love so much. It's giving more detail to a facet of something that is interesting. I don't know. And you know that I'm a complete nerd about Star Wars materials. And this yeah, is I've the nitty gritty details <laughs> that I adore because, like you said, it makes it a place. Yeah. And when I was doing my research, I'm like, nah, I swear, like, around Solo, I'm like, no, nah, we've talked about fuel before. And I realized that there have been some oblique references to fuel, but mostly referring to, like, the sublight engines. Mm. Like, there is um, a few mentions of it in the Rogue Squadron novels. Mostly it's just the plot device of, like, well, we need fuel before we can do X mission or whatever. Yeah. And there was also uh, a reference in um, Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, where yeah. one of the levels is a fueling station. But like I said, we kind of put that as, like, oh, that's that's the regular. You know, you don't have to charge the nitrous. If you get a hyperdrive, you can just fly. No, 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 no. <laughs> Apparently, all of this stuff runs off the same stuff. And like I said, it is really nerdy that, like, they got into it. Because the first thing we see is we hear them talk about um, coaxium is arguably the entire kickoff point of this entire film. Because Han comes back and basically is telling Kira he shorted the deal. He stole one of the coaxium samples from the deal. And it's like, it's enough money for them to get off world. Which already tells us, oh, this, this S is expensive. <laughs> or rare. Or both. Or both. Right, right, right. Which is typically what happens when something is rare. It's expensive. Right. And you'd figure that like, and, and again, but it's also, I think it's like the cost of living kind of stuff, right? It's like. Like, if I had to go and fund a yacht, I'd probably find how incredibly expensive maritime fuel is. <laughs> I don't know what it is right now, but I'm sure they know and they take care of that. So Corellia probably is soaked in coaxium as far as it being brought here for all the shipyards and the initial systems they're testing and engine designs and all that kind of stuff. But it's a little bit weird that that's how we kick it off. And when the Imperial officer sees it, when they're trying to get through Coronet Spaceport, she's like that coaxium <laughs> yeah we can do a deal that's enough now what is that officer doing with her coaxium is she like taking so, it home and putting it in the family speeder so here's the, the other thing i thought about it was i think the other thing about it is yes this is rare but it's like getting gold right if you think about like gold most people when they get married get gold bands even not well-off families can muster that luxury when needed so that's how I kind of put hyperfuel. And I put it as the sense of the reason the officer is going to take it is because it's really easy to fence because every starship runs on hyperfuel. Yeah. So how hard is it to it's say, hey, I've got I've got hyperfuel. You want to give me 600, 6,000 credits for it? Um, then you just take it. No government taxes on your fuel, anything like that. Just you take it. This so, stuff's pure, baby. I, I get the feeling that unlike, yeah, unlike a drug, this is not a um, this is not an insidious Thing. 
it is a very common thing. Like, again, like, for instance, if you were walking around on the street and you picked up a gold ring with, like, an amethyst stone set in it, after the day or two of you trying to see if you can figure out who it is, you can't. It's not that hard to sell it to someone, right? It's yeah. easy to move. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I saw it. Huh. And we see in that scene, we open it up and we get to see Coaxium, which is in this, like, liquidy vial and it's just this little blue white gemstone star yeah right it's just like this sprouting crystalline line yeah it looks like a crystal that has like liquid tentacles kind of coming out of it and then filling the vial like there's these tendrils attached to the star almost right and i guess we're supposed to assume that the liquid around it is something that's keeping it stable i I know when I first saw it, you probably had the same thought I did, which was like, oh, this is like the plutonium in Back to the Future. It comes in this glass uh, yeah. jar. I mean, that was definitely my first <laughs> thought. Now, here's the thing. At the beginning, this is refined hyperfuel that they have, right, already. Correct. Processed. Later, mm-hmm. we're going to see unrefined. And it's interesting because we know that is a liquid form. Right. So it must be something about the crystalline crystallizing it and something with putting it in the let's say coolant fluid that keeps it that Han and Leia can have a whole or Han, Han and Akira can have a whole car chase while having it on them because <laughs> liquid mm-mm, yeah mm-mm. might not go well yeah so this is what sets everything off the Imperial officer takes the coaxium assumingly they go and sell it somewhere Han gets through the gate Kira doesn't get through the gate and Han goes I guess I'll join the military because I'm a disenfranchised person with no ID. What else am I going to do? <laughs> and that's where he gets his name solo and people get in the internet goes mad. Anyway. So from there, um, we, next time we see coaxium is bringing the whole thing circle. The deal to, to get out of um, everything is, you know, Han sees these guys who are lifting an AT hauler and he gets in, in this group and finds out that their whole heist is, we're going to go do a train heist and we're going to steal a load of coaxium. And he's like, oh, okay, cool. Coaxium. I've still, I've boosted that before. I can help you. And what if you can't? Because you choose to save your friends instead of the load of coaxium and it blows up a GD mountain. <laughs> <sighs> so we're really screwed. Yes. Yes. And so how are we going to get out of this? Well, the only way to get out of the fact we lost all the coaxium is to find more coaxium. Where will we find that? Kessel, they won't let you do that. I have a plan. Look at Kira, wink and nod and make one up wordlessly across the room. And they end up on Kessel, which is among spice mining. They do the mining of coaxium. Yes. Um, something about the weird in the in the Tempest kind of location they are has caused this planet to have some of these extremely rare things like spice and coaxium. Now, here's the question about this. Uh, how... Do they keep pulling resources from this planet? Does the planet keep kind of repopulating its resources very quickly? <laughs> so the funny thing about that was that would be my first guess after I watched Solo. But now that I've watched all the Clone Wars and I've seen the other side of Kessel, <laughs> I've realized that, no, 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 no. Um, I think that this planet was like, 
oh, we've got some resources, but we very, very cautiously mine them and through renewable plans and good land management, we don't do too bad. Then the Empire comes in, the Pikes move in, say like, yeah, we're going to strip mine the crap out of this planet and we're going to get the hundred years of resources out of this and leave it a dead husk. I mean, that is the Empire's uh, MO, right? That's what they do. And it's causing that behavior to be normalized all across because this is run by a criminal syndicate, though. The whole reason this is here is because it isn't under Imperial rule. That's the whole reason they think they can get away with it, because they destroyed the Imperial ship in a coaxium. They can't really try to knock off the Empire again. They feel that the only way to get it is from the Pikes, who never sell to anybody. But what if they did? But what if they did this time? What if they did this time? All it'll take is a little revolution. So, like I said, we saw in the, the expanded, you know, the animated universe, we saw that part of the planet's still green and nice, which means it feels to me like they are literally just doing a huge, you know, uh, helix, helix uh, strip mine yeah. as they are just drilling deeper and deeper and deeper into that planet. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so they bluff their way in and then they basically start filling up these canisters because it looks like hyperfuel works kind of like real fuel in our world in the sense of it seems like something that's in underground, maybe lakes. And you're using specialized equipment to bring it to the surface. And once it's on the surface, it becomes volatile as it interacts with the world outside. Mm -hmm. Like in its own little place that they pump it out of, it can sit there for whoever knows how long. Yeah. Yeah. But once you put it in a case, even these specialized container cases are only designed to hold it for like, what do they say? Six hours or something yeah, like that? Yeah, a short amount of time. So it, it starts to destabilize right away. Right. And, you and these so we need to refine it. Right, and normally I think that Kessel has the resources to do that. Otherwise, how is this an effective mining operation? But maybe they only have resources to do it enough for themselves. But, well, they've kicked a hornet's nest by that point, so refining on Kessel was never going to really be an option. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they do, and I, if I remember correctly, during Han and Kira's and uh, Beckett's meeting with Dryden, don't they talk about other places where coaxium is available yes. but too hard to get to yes. and so you know other places that it could be refined too right because then they settle on well we have to take it to savarine savarine right um and so that's where they figure out okay good we get the fuel from a neutral source hmm. we get it refined on a truly neutral planet empire needs never needs to know we make the deal with the people who bought the coaxium everybody walks away very alive <laughs> very alive um course that's not what happens but that's kind of where our story about coaxium ends is because once we see them get it hooked up to containers they get fueled up these pipes into whatever refinery systems it is and it's just like it's just like our world where when you pull crude up from the ground it's not that useful it's being refined mixed chemically treated that turns it into kerosene or gasoline or petroleum jelly or uh, plastics or whatever you're going to do with this wonder magic stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we end up making cases and cases of coaxium and apparently it's back to being so shelf stable, which is nice. And the last thing that's fun is we do get to see one moment where we see how maybe not how it's supposed to go into the engine, <laughs> but how it can get into the engine because they go and nitrous boost the Millennium Falcon. They, they do, they do. And it's all great because it's all set up in this terrible, like, edge-of-your-seat moment where Beckett is responsible for getting these little drops of coaxium. And he's using, like, a medical syringe. Yeah. Like, he's just, like, figuring it out as he goes. Very Han style uh, as we know it. 
you know, by the seat of his pants. And when he pumps it into the engine on the Falcon, it immediately just shuts down. <laughs> I love that moment. That look that Donald Glover gives his Lando when it shuts down yes. is like... I know he's amazing in that movie. I think most people believe he's amazing in that movie, and he does a great job of emulating, uh, you know, our old hero Lando. Yeah, funny but having way. said all that, that is the moment that makes him worth casting alone. <laughs> His eyes in that moment, the face he gives, is just incredible. And then, of course, we see the engines kick back on, and the Falcon is able to boost out of the Maw mm-hmm. and through the opening and make it to Severine just in time with the ship barely holding together. Right, um, which Lando uh, will be upset about for maybe ever. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. you have... So coaxium is just very interesting. I think it's something we're going to see a lot of because, like I said, I'm even even the material before has used the, yeah, but what if they run out of fuel? That's a really good plot device. I could really use that. And now that we know, oh, what if they run out of hyperfuel? Because we know what starships run on now. It makes a lot of stories that are more relatable to our world because, I mean, if you've ever been in a car, you know the stress of, almost running out of gas or planning your trips or moving around based on gas consumption. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's, it's something that is a easy to understand low key yeah. threat. You know, I was just reading uh Shadowfall. I'm not done with it yet. The new alphabet squadron book and no major spoilers here. I'm about to say, don't worry anyone if you haven't read it yet and are planning to, but there is a moment uh, early on and this is really non-consequential. I promise where they just talk about like, Hey, Let's switch to flying larger, slower rings so we can cons- uh, conserve fuel. Oh. Like little things like that. And as Max said earlier, it's popped up before in Legends books, but we are seeing stuff like that pop up a little bit more in some of the new canon EU stuff too. And it helps make some of this stuff set- make sense, you know, of why, you know, why don't we just hyper jump to everywhere? Why mm-hmm. don't we do this, that, or the other? It's because, well, it costs a resource. Okay, so the last thing I just want to say to be completely nerdy, it's called coaxium because it is coaxial, aka it is half in our universe and half in hyperspace. That's why it provides that. Um, Coaxium known as hyperfuel is a rare form of hypermatter. But the thing about the hypermatter is it is able to stay enough in our universe that we can use it to access hyperspace. So that's why, again, it's primarily... It may fuel the rest of the ship, but it it the biggest reason it's called hyperfuel because it powers hyperspace travel. Very interesting. And the whole reason I I didn't remember it till I looked at my notes again. And the whole reason it's going so crazy when it's pulled up from the ground is it may be being pulled from really deep in Kessel because it is stable at room temperature after it gets processed. Until it's processed, it's volatile at whatever temperature, whether it's super hot or super cold, probably super hot. Mm. That is probably why they can mine it, but it has to be refined to be usable is because otherwise it will combust at room temperature. Interesting. So Very interesting. That's that's just fun. So um, last thing I'm going to say hmm. about coaxium is, which basically means that it's a crystalline form of antimatter that allows you to power a starship. So yes, yes, Star Trek fans. Star Wars has its own dilithium crystals now. But we call them coaxium and they're cooler. <laughs> and we built way better plots around them, that's for sure. <laughs> Uh, Mac and I like Solo. I don't know if you can tell. <sighs> Make Solo 2 happen. Make Solo 2 happen. 
we'll take a TV show. Hell, I'll take a series of books. Just I yeah, want the rest of that great. story. Where, where's Kira? Yeah, anything but a comic, please. I'm not saying I don't like the comics. I'm just saying it's my least preferred. I'd be fine with a comic if it's like a year long series. Oh yeah, it would need to be. A, it would need to be a big. Need to be. A it needs thing. to be worth of the equivalent of at least two hours of film. Yes, for sure. All right. Well, with that, we're gonna leave. <laughs> yeah, we hey, done talking about fuel. Yeah, I think we've. I think we've said enough. All right. Let's move on to something else. <laughs> We're bringing home yet another episode. Yep. yep, we've traveled around the galaxy. We've gone to Pasana. We did a couple laps around Pasana. We checked the Jedi Mind Trek. Examples of it all across the galaxy. They never update the Pasana Wikipedia page to tell us when the festival's happening. Well, like, for- how are we going to know? We got to check once a year. Well, wait. So if so, wait. Hold on. So if it's what thirty BB. No, ABY, right, is when the uh, Force Awakens starts, 30 years after the Battle of Yavin, right? No, it's 30 years after the end of Return of the Jedi. Oh, so it's like 30 years after the Battle (laughs) of Yavin. Let's just round, let's say 35, just to be simple. I I don't think that's right, but 35. So that means that like... It's more like 33. So like when Lando's running around with a puffer pig, right... Like when he's doing like his puffer yeah, pig yeah, yeah. scheme, that's about when he probably came to the first one of these he was at. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Like a young, like almost teenage Lando yeah. super was at this last one. Why do you think he'd be here this time? I think in the visual guide, it says he's here to live a simpler lifestyle. But I could because be wrong. he heard about this great party. Um, so, okay, so that means in the sequel-sequel trilogy that might happen, that's where it starts, is the next one. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that, I that like would, that. Continuity. I like that a lot, yeah. It's like it's like a poetry. It rhymes. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, this was a fun one. I mean, I had a yeah. good time. I, it's fun talking about Jedi powers. I'm always here for that. I like our series is growing on that, mm-hmm, of, of discussing mm-hmm, different mm-hmm, powers. Mm-hmm. And, and I... I love being indulged to talk about stupid materials, science, dumb stuff in Star yeah. Wars. So thank you, Sol- Solo. Make Solo 2 happen. Make Solo 2 happen. Um, thank you for giving me so much meat to talk about the esoteric fuel of Star Wars. <laughs> it's in there. It's in there now forever and ever. You can't take it, keeps it from popping me. Up. That's right. Uh, what else is going on with you in Star Wars? You done any other interesting Star Wars things lately, Mac? Uh, 2020, you'd think I'd have with all this extra free time, I'd be doing more. But I've got a continually growing backlog of books. Sure, sure. I know course. you have actually been reading books. I have been. I just finished Shadowfall. Mm-hmm. Um, I had put a little bit of a hold on the Legends book I was reading, Fatal Alliance. But I'm back to that about halfway through. Okay. I finished Shadowfall. Um, 
because we didn't have an early copy of it, we didn't do any sort of review or anything or any mention of it on the show. Yeah. Um, now that it's been out a couple of weeks, we can probably start to talk about it safely maybe in another week or two. Okay. But it was very, very good. I don't think books based around squadrons are for me necessarily sure so i don't want anyone to interpret that as it's not a good book it's just well, maybe not my cup of tea it's different strokes for different folks yeah like, i i i love i read a lot of the you know um stack uh rogue squadron books and sure i enjoy that i that kind of squadron that camaraderie those kind of war journal story yeah. stuff I, I like that stuff and I can see how that's not yeah. for for everyone because even me, like I didn't really get into was it Twilight Company, mm-hmm. I, written by the I, same guy. I, like I love military stories, but there's certain like, yeah. I'll be blunt. I don't care about the ground pounders. Show me the ships. I I want to go in the ships. Well, then you'd and like that, this and, more, and, and that's why it is. <laughs> it's very high on the stack of Star Wars books I need to get to. You would like this more. I found myself liking the ground ground battles more. Well, uh, then so maybe that's, that's what it is. Maybe that's part of the problem. I, You know, the thing about this one and the thing about well, both Alphabet Squadron books that I haven't clicked with is they're never together. They never have a chance to gel as a team. Some of that and is... that I find odd. I mean, some of that is just some of the... Uh, what, what they do, like, so often they're scared of having them all together. And mm-hmm. I think there's a tyranny we have to live under in modern storytelling that I have to admit, I've gotten to the point of like almost exhaustion with it is of, well, what's my B and C story? <laughs> like I read, what was it? Tales of earth sea during this whole thing. And I'm like, this book's amazing. It moves so fast. Why? Because it doesn't cut to other characters, other times or other places. It shows me the main character and I follow them. Yeah. And we just go one place. Yeah. And like, for whatever reason, it's just not in vogue to tell stories that way. And that's why, like, a squadron book, they're always getting split up. Why? Because we have to have A stories and B stories and C stories. Yeah. Um, I kind of felt that way with, like, it, it wasn't bad, but um, the second Thrawn novel, there's a certain part where I'm like, okay, we're in the past where Thrawn met Anakin. I don't need a cutaway. Just keep, I just want to follow this. I just want to yeah. be on this path. I definitely understand um, that feeling. Not that the other story was bad, but I'm just like, I just don't need to cut away. I just, what happens to them? Yeah. There, there are lots of great things to say about it. And I don't want to make it sound like I don't like it. So if you're into Star Wars books, whether you like, you know, fighter books or not, yeah. I think it's worth it. So absolutely check it out. It just, for me, not, may not be one of my highest rankings. No, but having okay. said that, at some point, relatively soon, I'll probably be starting starting my canonical Star Wars books Oof. reread, and maybe I'll come up with a more defined list. But uh, okay. I, just, I just don't... There are things I love about it, but they're not my favorite. Let's put it that way. Well, as we catch up in Star Wars news, because I don't think we've commented on it before... I do like squadrons do. and fighting and dogfighting. I love TIE Fighter and X-Wing. And the fine folks over at Motive, the developer for Electronic Arts, has said, hey, those TIE Fighter and X-Wing games are pretty good. What if we made one for the modern age? And that seems what they're going to do in Star Wars Squadrons. Coming out October 4th, so it's not like, far away. Yeah. I mean, well, in 2020 time, it might as well be an eon or already have happened. One or the other. Yeah. 
Um, we've never been closer. I, we've never been closer. This is the closest we've ever been. That's right, Mac. Um, they just revealed some like how you can customize the heads up displays and stuff. And it, like, it seems really cool that if you want more of an arcade experience, you can kind of dial some of that back. If you want to just play a flight sim, which is what I wanted to, you could dial them all the way up. So you have to do like everything manually. And I think the biggest thing that's an excitement, like just a beautiful little extra treat to it is um, it has VR support. Yes. So fully rendered 3D cockpit. So you, you can play this like a flight simulator. Yes. And I will absolutely be doing that when it comes out in October. I can't wait to hear your experience because I won't be because that will make me motion that, sick. You can watch the monitor next to me yes. and look away because even the monitor is making you motion sickness yes. from time to time. Yes. I will be playing it as well, uh, but not in VR. That's with fair. a uh, classic PlayStation 4 controller. And one last thing I should think we should mention. It's like oh. hot off the presses. Oh. I think it was announced today or yesterday is that we know what Dave Filoni's team is going to be working on, at least in the immediate future, which is yeah. the Bad Batch. The Bad Batch. So we're getting a Bad Batch show. Now, here's what I found interesting. What's that? It takes place post-Order 66. How? <laughs> I know, right? So I'm wondering if this is going to be more a miniseries, like a single season. So when I first heard it, my brain says it's a Disney Plus direct show, and I just go, this probably is going to be a short-run series, right? Yeah. Handful of episodes. And the reason I think that is because, I'll be really blunt, the Bad Batch was neat. I like those four episodes of Clone Wars. I don't see them carrying an entire show for very long. Like, I'm ready for, like, another adventure or two of theirs, unless you are giving me Star Wars A-Team. Yeah. I, I'm not believing it can carry so i'm wondering if that's where we're going to end up if they're essentially going to be mercenaries and they're going to be like a bounty hunter squad taking a job i wonder if that's what it's going to be there's just so much overhead because you're gonna have to explain how they avoid order 66 and the biochips and all well this. hypothetically because of their abnormalities they probably don't have the biochips but yeah i mean we don't know Some until we them, get there but who's the um what's his name who joins them yeah at the end yeah um, uh, yeah, the, you know, the fives? one they rescue. Is it fives? fives? God, we should know this. We should know this. Okay, brain like fart. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk more about the Bad Batch as it's it comes not Jesse. in. Um, it's coming in 2021. Yeah. Um, And uh, the other reason is, because to be very blunt, it may be a fine show. It may turn out to be some of my favorite Star Wars, because I love troop stories. Yeah. But... Really? Lucasfilm Animation's working on that? That's that's where you're uh, using that resource? That's why I'm just going to kind of wait and see. Because it seems odd that this it would seems be Filoni's small. only project. Yeah, It seems small. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, but then again, I mean, maybe that's because Filoni, maybe he's taking more hands-on in just developing Star Wars television. Because, I mean, he was pretty hands-on with Mandalorian. Yeah. I mean, he's, the exec he's listed as the executive producer per the press release. Yeah. And executive producers don't necessarily have to be the boots on the ground. No. They're more, they can be the bigger picture people. So it is conceivable that he's helping this along and more working on his own. And it's all part things. of, and it all works out to our master plan of viewing things, which is we want Dave Filoni to basically sort of become the Kevin Feige of, of Star Wars. We want him to be the custodian of what projects get greenlit, what ones don't. He comes in and says, I think we should change a little bit of that. Yeah. There's, That's what I want. There's a lot of Star Wars fans who definitely feel that way, and I don't think there's any reason to believe that won't eventually happen. I think he's the closest to a direct continuation of George Lucas's yeah. thought process, 
as we'll ever get. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any argument there. So uh, I'm here for it. I mean, I am. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the eventual merchandise we'll get because I'm sure oh. I'll be able to buy all four of those uh, Bad Batch members as Black you know Series. And and it's and it's nice that we now have a couple of years of knowing Star Wars stuff is coming. Mm-hmm. You know, because we have um, the cast and Andor shows coming out next year. We've got mm-hmm. season two of Mandalorian. Most likely, we have a season three that's probably already been greenlit. Because sure. I can't imagine that show being less than like a five year plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and we've also got all the it's crazy to think that like 12 months from now, we'll be talking about movie rumors again. Yeah, That's really exciting to me. I know. Really, I think we're going to get movie rumor. What month are we in now? July? Again, it either is July or December. We're or in both. the world between worlds. Yes. We're gonna get movie yes. rumors. I think like within the next month. Like we should. We get should a hope. synopsis. Well, the tough the question is how much stuff got moved. Of hey, we were gonna announce that Star Wars Celebration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not gonna announce that Star Wars Celebration. So what? So what were those announcements? At a more appropriate time, we'll give you more information. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is, if at the end of this year we don't know what the movie coming out in December 2022 is, I'll be surprised. I, we may not know a lot about it, but a general synopsis and a director, we it's should have an idea. It. Like a time period even. I mean, is it a part one? Is it a standalone? Like just any information. And of course, point. we get all the High Republic next year. The, the future looks bright for Star Wars. The first chapter of the High Republic, uh, the first novel, uh, was released as a preview. So if you Ooh. want to go read it, I don't think I will. I, I don't know. I might. I, I can know. read a chapter of a book. <laughs> read Queen's Barrel. You'll love it. <laughs> and Alphabet Squadron. I have two copies of Alphabet Squadron if you want to borrow a hardcover. I know you won't. Well, but. I think appreciate the offer. Yeah. Well, the other thing about it is I got to clear some of this because the, the biggest highlight for me for Star Wars this year is this certain point of view for Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> I I know. You'll drop I'm everything I'm so for jonesed that. for that. I know. We all we both are. We love it. You know, it's. I, I recently learned that not everybody loves from a certain point of view. I don't understand it. Did they just, they're like, I don't want to learn more about these characters or find more interesting angles to the stories that I've already seen? Apparently. I, look, because the biggest thing about it is like, let's say you don't like one or two of the stories, or hell, half of them. It doesn't matter. The other half should make up. There are so many different angles in that. But some people, like my best friend, doesn't like anthologies, period. He just doesn't like little short story collections. And so that's the kind of person I could go, I get why. It's just a format thing. You just don't like, you like to stick to one character uh, or whatever. Um, But I, I am beyond Jones for that. That's like the second biggest thing I'm excited in planning my life around with Star Wars. The first being, I have a friend who's going to uh, Star Wars Galaxy Edge and I'm working on smuggling techniques. Because as I'm not going, <laughs> if I could still get some Galaxy's Edge merch uh, before 2020 is over, that would make 2020 a little less painful. Man, if Light of the Jedi, the first High Republic book, hadn't gotten pushed back... It would be out in 42 days. Ooh. That's how close we would have been. So I got to go and update that in my uh, countdown app. Um, Poe Dameron Freefall comes out uh, shortly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark comes out uh, within the next couple of months. Um, we've got uh, Thrawn Chaos Rising on September 1st. That's coming up. Um, we've got, let's see. Oh, um, Dark Legends, I believe, is coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Remember, there was the... Um, what the heck was that one called? Uh, Myths and Fables. Myths and Fables, And yeah. Dark Legends is kind of the sequel to that, except they're all spooky stories. 
Yeah, it's which like, I'm here for. That it, sounds myth great. and fables is like fairy tales and dark series is like ghost stories. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Like I'm I said, we, you know, it's all coming from different angles, and it feels more like the heyday of the EU that it's not the movies <laughs> carrying the torch. Yeah. Um, but exciting because the universe is expanding big and fast, and I, I'm all about it. Oh, yeah, I'm here for it. Well, Mac, I think we've said all there is to say about current Star Wars and these three topics. Until next Wednesday. May the Force be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.